Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast by Jim Privet. We hope you enjoy listening to it. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Dear Lord, I thank you, Father, that your word is living and active. Lord, your word is applicable for us today. And Father God, I thank you that yeah, you, you are going to speak through Jim today. I pray, Lord, that he would bring us your word. I pray that each one of us 
would leave this place a changed person because of you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness, your kindness, your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. You are a faithful and trustworthy God. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name's Jim. I'm part of the uh, leadership team here. And it's a real privilege to be able to speak to you this morning about Noah. Um, before I do that, I've got a few uh, volunteers that I need to come up onto the platform, if that's okay. Can you give them a round of applause? I really hope this works. So, can we do it this side? Is that okay? So, part of my talk today is talking about really having faith in God and trusting him. Uh, so I, th I thought it'd be a good idea to do a trust challenge. <laughs> uh, they have been prepped, so don't panic. And I have passed it with a risk assessment, so it should be fine. So I'm going to invite Amy. So if you don't know Amy, hello, do you want to just wave to everyone? This is Amy. She's the unsuspecting victim. No, she's one of our volunteers this morning. And uh, Amy is also being amazing. She stepped up in the last few weeks and she's helped lead our young people, our discipleship groups for young people, connect groups every Tuesday. So thank you, Amy along with lots of other volunteers as well. We are so grateful for everything that our volunteers do on Sundays and midweek. So thank you. Thank you, Amy. Amy's going to get on the chair. <laughs> this is our payment. <laughs> Amy's going to get the chair. And girls, if you want to just, yeah, that'd be good. To this side. I feel like maybe more than four people. Uh, I don't want another Lewis situation, do we, with a neck brace. So um, can we invite two other people up just to come and help catch? Is that all right? Anyone feeling strong? Abby, thank you, Abby, my wife. Thank you, anyone else? Arthur, come on. Oh, your rib, not good. Not good. Thanks, Fliss. Round of applause for Fliss. Okay, maybe don't make the gap quite so big in the middle. Okay, right, do you want to cross your arms? Yeah, say a little prayer. Okay, so we're going to count down from three. And then when you're ready, Amy, you're just going to fall backwards. Is that all right? Okay. That's quite high, guys. A little bit low. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. Okay. No, no, no. That's... <laughs> okay. You ready, church? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Whoa! <laughs> Round of applause. Keep clapping them. Thanks, guys. Keep going. Keep going. Thank you. So, I want to talk today about um, faith about faith. I need this chair a bit later on, so just pull that a bit closer. I want to talk about faith, but more specifically, active faith. The importance of uh, basically putting your faith into practice. A lot of us say that we have faith, that we have faith in Jesus, have faith in God, but how often do we actually put that faith into practice? If you'll know, you've been with us for the last month or so, that our motto text is Ezekiel a little test there for you, church. Ezekiel 47, verse 9. That's right. The second part of that says, wherever the river flows, everything will live. Wherever the river flows, everything will live. Do you remember that? Some of you got this printed out. Some of you have got it on your phones and stuff like that as well. If you want an electronic version, let me know. We can get it sent over to you. And as we talked about Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 12, we had this uh, holy host, didn't we, leading Ezekiel through the waters. Yeah? Do you remember that? Yeah? You with me? Good. Good stuff. So Ezekiel was being led through the waters. You had this temple 
this new temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. And then from under the temple, there's this water that's trickling. And then it builds into a stream and then into a river. And Ezekiel is being led by this heavenly host from ankle depth to knee depth to waist depth, ultimately until, until he ends up having to swim in it. It's that swim depth level. And it's a great symbolism of, yes, in the Old Testament, the temple being rebuilt and God's presence coming back into the temple. But in the New Testament, it's a great symbolism of Jesus, isn't it? That Jesus is that temple and his blood poured out, trickles, becomes a stream into a river that goes across the whole world and brings new life and healing. Amen? And then we have this picture when Jesus dies and is resurrected and he ascends, he leaves us with the Holy Spirit. So it's a great symbol of the Pentecost as well, when we receive the Holy Spirit. So our bodies become that temple where we are full of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus was sent into the world, we are sent into the world full of the Holy Spirit. So I remember, if you remember rightly about a month ago, I talked about how the river flows to us. That day we said yes to Jesus Christ. I want to believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to live for you. It flows through us and it flows, can you remember? From us, that's right. It flows from us. Are you with me? Good. And it was really encouraging to hear over that, like that week afterwards how many of you really resonated with that message. But it struck me that so often that a Sunday can just be a really good message. But it doesn't go beyond that. It doesn't flow into a movement or momentum. You know, imagine if Amy had just stood here, right, on the chair. I'm going to face you rather than turn my back to you. And she was like, yes, Lord, lead my life. I have faith in you. You can do anything. I love you, Lord. You've got the power to do anything. And then she went and just got off and just walked off. And then next Sunday, she comes back. She goes, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I have faith. You know, call me to anything and I'll do it. And then she got off. And the following Sunday, she came back. <laughs> yes, Lord. Are you with me? Right? So often, this becomes the best, the strongest expression of our faith. Yeah? Coming to church becomes the strongest expression of our faith. I'm not saying this isn't an expression of faith. Of course it is. We have faith in Jesus. We want to worship him. We want to come together. We want to be in communion with each other. We want to be learning. We want to be worshiping him. But often this thing, church on a Sunday, as beautiful as it is, and as scripturally sound as it is, becomes the only expression of our faith. But I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that. Faith is an active thing. Faith is an active thing. It's not a mental ascent. It's not just a belief system. This is why I was so challenged by the story of Noah today, which is what I want to bring to you. Three things that I hope will help you fall off the chair or take a step forward. I'm going to put it in context with the motto text. To take a step forward into deeper and deeper water, like Ezekiel was being led. Are you with me? That's my hope for us as a church this year, as individuals and collectively as a church, that we are being led by the spirit that is in us to flow from us. We don't know what's going to come next. We're in that place as a church right now, aren't we? We don't know what's going to come next. Whatever's coming next in this church, and I think many churches across the UK, I think this is a national thing, God is reshaping and reshifting churches. The paradigm is changing. I'm excited, but I don't know what that looks like. Many of us don't. That's just why seeking the Lord is so important in this season. But I want us this year to have a deeper understanding of God as we take a step forward 
a deeper experience of him. Yes, in this building, but certainly in your private walks with him. You are a disciple of Jesus. A deeper understanding, a deeper walk with him this year, a deeper dependency on him. So a few things, three things, classic. Three things I want to go through with you. The first thing is this, that Noah had a covenant confidence. Had a covenant confidence. So before Noah did anything, God said something. You notice that? Before Noah did anything, God said something. In verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you. So this is the first time the word covenant has been used in Scripture. And in modern society, that's an agreement. Some of us might know this is an agreement or a contract. It's where your terms and conditions lie. But God is so committed to relationship, so committed to his creation, that this is the first time we see he goes into an agreement with Noah. It's a really significant moment between the creator and the created. And covenant is a central theme throughout Scripture. And it provides a skeletal framework for how God wants to be in relationship with us. We learn that God is a, a covenant-making, a covenant-keeping, and a covenant-fulfilling God. And throughout Scripture, you see at different times with different people, he goes into agreement because he wants to be in relationship with us. He's committed to us. Now, there are five kind of main covenants. Some of you will know this in Scripture. The first one is the Noahic covenant, Noah. Then we have the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and then we're under the new covenant. If you're bored already, check out in chapter 9 the terms and conditions of this first Noahic covenant. Because it's signed off by God in the sky with a, with a rainbow. Usually there's a rain. Can you see a very faint rainbow? Usually when the lights are a bit different in here, you can see a rainbow. I remember seeing it. Can we do something with that? Maybe not. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but this is a covenant confidence that Noah had. God said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I am so committed to you. I'm in relationship with you. I've got this agreement with you. You know, what if only there was a covenant confidence that we could have now. <laughs> Imagine that. If we could have the same confidence. I love, by the way, that we've got the rainbow on that wall and the cross on that wall. It means so much to me because that's the first covenant in Scripture and this is the last covenant. It's brilliant. I like those little things. You might think that's just a coincidence, but I love those sort of things. We can have the same covenant confidence that Noah had. And that's exciting, isn't it? Jesus signed off, just as God signed off in the sky with a rainbow, Jesus signed it on the cross for us. You notice the first verse in that passage said, Noah was a righteous man and he walked with God. Noah was found righteous in the eyes of God. He was saved from the flood due to his righteousness. Now Paul in Romans says, no one is righteous, not one. And we, therefore, are like the corrupt, violent, wicked, selfish, self-focused, sinful nation that Noah was operating in. Now, the world doesn't like that language. <laughs> we want to cancel that language. It's too judgmental. But it's the truth. It's the truth. We are. We are. That is the world we operate in. But also, in Romans, there is hope. But Paul says we are made right with God we are made righteous only by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight, just as Noah was right in God's sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins 
For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This is the new covenant that we are under. Does that bring you confidence? That God's got that agreement? Just as he had with Noah, I am with you. A covenant confidence. That's how we start with faith. We know that we're in relationship with him. It should lead to active faith. In Hebrews 11, we see the impact of active faith, the significance of having a covenant confidence. You see this hall of faith, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and many, many others, Sarah, that are under different covenants throughout Old Scripture, throughout the Old Testament. But each time, this covenant confidence that they had led to action. It led to active faith. It was by faith that so-and-so hid or so-and-so did, or so-and-so sacrificed, or gave, or said, or acted. It wasn't just by faith that they went and worshipped occasionally. <laughs> you with me? Yeah. Hebrews 11.6 pushes it a bit harder. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, we know that we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's what pleases God, because it makes us righteous. Jesus makes us right for God, between us and God. But also... Clearly, there's an active part of it. Genuine faith will lead to active faith, which also leads nicely, I think, to purpose. You'll notice, if you know the story of Noah, I'm sure most people do, that Noah's covenant confidence led to his purpose. So once the flood came and then subsided, he was given the mandate, wasn't he, to repopulate the earth, yeah? To reestablish it, to bring new life. Just as Ezekiel, we see that river that brings new life and hope and, and healing and everything else. You know, we've been saved, not to get to heaven in a rowboat, right? We've been saved to bring life. We've been reconciled to be reconcilers, the New Testament puts it. That's our job. We find our purpose there. I was thinking about this this morning. So often we think our purpose is to get to this, this dream that we've got, or this dream job, or whatever it is, you know, and that's not your purpose, <laughs> Your purpose is to bring glory to God and to bring others into the family as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. So I'm not taking away anyone's dream. If you want to go on to do this or go on to that, that's fantastic, right? If you feel like God's called you to that, but that isn't your calling. Your calling as a follower of Jesus Christ is to bring in worship, to bring in worth, and to bring others into the family, wherever, whatever you're doing. And just as Jesus promised his disciples that he'd be with them to the very ends of the age, we have the Holy Spirit with us, always. Just as Ezekiel was being led by the Holy Host through the river, we have the promise of the Spirit with us, always. Second thing, go with the flow. Go with the flow. So you'll notice in the passage, there was lots of specifics about the ark, right? God wanted it to be really big, really, really big. Apparently, it's as big as, it could have been as long as three space shuttles, if you're into that. Do you know that? Four stories high, 120,000 sheep, if you like sheep. It is that big. It's big, isn't it? It's a big thing. Uh, but there's something really specific that's missing in the design of this ark. Anyone know what it is? Not my son. It's cheating. <laughs> huh? There's no rudder. Notice that? There's something missing. You've got this massive timber boat arc floating around. There's no way to navigate it. <laughs> if I was not, I'd have been like, you've forgotten something, God. <laughs> how, do we, how do we get about? 
There's no mention of it at all. Back then, traditionally, big, large timber boats would have been able to navigate with a rudder, sometimes a sail, but they'd have been far enough out into the sea to be able to actually move, but close enough to be able to see the coastline. That's how you would have navigated back then. But the problem with the flood is, <laughs> you can't see the coastline, can you? It's everywhere, the water's absolutely everywhere, so navigation was pointless. And I was thinking, God, did you miss something quite important? Have you made a mistake? Which I realize is not true, of God. But Noah's Ark wasn't designed to be navigated by Noah. It was designed to be navigated by God. Just as we aren't designed to navigate our own lives, we're designed to be navigated by God, by the Holy Spirit living within us. Yeah? Yeah? I hope so. I hope so. It's a great symbol. It just struck me. It's a great symbol of actually we're just an ark. We're just an ark full of the Holy Spirit, hopefully being taken where God wants us as a church this year particularly, but also as individuals as well. Some of you know this story, but I'll share it with you again. In 2005, I was living and working um, in Southampton, and I was at my office window, and I felt like God said to me, you're not where you need to be. Um, it wasn't audible. It just kind of a sense in my spirit. And I was like, okay, so where should I be? And there was nothing. <laughs> and a few months passed, and um, it got to the summer, and uh, I had a phone call from my now wife, Abby, but at the time we weren't together, and uh, she rang me, she went, I don't know why I'm ringing you, um, but I just feel like I'm at this, you've heard of Soul Survivors, a Christian uh, camp, and there was an exhibition stand there, Moreland's Bible College. I'm at this stand, and I really feel like I should tell you about this, um, this particular course. So she did. She was like, I know you don't really like education. It's not really your thing. <laughs> uh, but I thought I should tell you anyway. I was like, fine, okay. So the next week I went to Soul Survivor, checked out the stand, got some information. I thought, what, you know, what can I, what can I lose? Um, so I went and spoke to Moreland's Bible College and uh, went down there for an informal chat. And uh, I met a guy called Nigel in the library and he looked at me and he looked at my results from college from a few years previous. He's like, uh, what happened at college? <laughs> and I said, well, it wasn't really an educational for me in terms of intellectual progress, it was more learning about social skills and things like that. Uh, you know, working out who I was that back then anyway. And he went, okay, um, fine, give me a moment. And so left the library, left me in this library, <laughs> surrounded by books and titles of books. I had no idea what they meant at this stage. Uh, and then about an hour later, came back. I was like, where have you been? He said, oh, I've managed to pull together some of the staff and we've had a little prayer meeting. <laughs> and we really feel like, despite your <laughs> grades, <laughs> that God said, you should come to this college. And I was like, okay, great. Not really knowing what that meant, to be honest with you. Um, thinking I've got a few months to lead up to this. It was a Friday. I said, well, when, when, what's the start date? And he was like, Monday. <laughs> so I was like, what? I don't know about, I don't have money. I don't, I don't have a practice, like in terms of youth practice anywhere. Um, sadly, I found out that my, one of my godparents had passed away a few months earlier. And the money, <laughs> this is, is sad, but also it's an amazing, um, I guess, providence of God, was that she left me, was the exact same amount of money that I needed for the course, which is crazy. And she knew that I didn't like education. <laughs> um, I didn't have anywhere to practice. The tenancy in my house, or flat, fell through when we lived in Southampton. So we moved back to this area. I started worshipping at Loxheath as it was next door, as we're now Waypoint. Um, there was a guy here called Pete Nilsson. Some of you remember Pete? He was our youth minister. 
And uh, I remember saying to him, I've just said yes to this youth works course, and I don't really have anywhere to do any of the practical work. Uh, so he went, oh, come under my wing. So he did. And uh, it was an incredible three years. At the end of my three years, Pete decided to go become a minister in Australia. By the way, chatted to him last week. He's church planting now, which is amazing. He's got three church plants coming as well, so it's fantastic. Keep, keep playing, praying for him. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll go for the job, because Pete's moved on. And uh, so I think there was quite a lot of interest in the job at the time. And on the day itself, I think there was two other applicants expected to turn up for the job, and they didn't turn up for some reason. And I like to think that was God. <laughs> and, uh, and I got the job. And I've had the privilege since then of leading loads of young people to Christ, um, young adults to Christ, discipling people, baptizing people. Uh, I'm really excited about to say this is news to you, that in May we're doing a mini-series on discipleship. And there's three young people that some of you will know. Ed Clark, who used to lead worship, is coming back to speak about discipleship. Hayley uh, Robson, as she was, Hayley Marchant, she uh, works for UCCF. She's coming to speak to us in March. And um, remember Sarah Sawyers, our family's worker? Yeah, so her daughter Megan is in training, uh, Ordinan training, and she's coming to speak to us in May as well. So I'm really excited by that. Um, now, if you told me <laughs> at the beginning of that story that God would lead me to this place, it's not my achievement, it's God's achievement, right? I would have been really happy just splashing around in the shallows with Christ. I'm all right, God. Do you know what? I keep an eye on the coastline, the comfortable bit. That's fine. I'll just do the church thing. But I went with the flow. I went with the flow of where he was taking me. You know, I was happy at ankle depth, but it wasn't until my feet got off the bottom of the river like Ezekiel that I had to start swimming and realized my dependency had to be on him only. Do we live like that? Now, that's a bit of an extreme example. I give you that, right? I've got a mortgage, Jim. I've got a family. <laughs> you don't understand. It's not that simple. I understand that. But how prepared are we to live with that level of faith in the everyday, in the routine? You know, we're disciples called to live by faith, aren't we? Not by sight, but many of us choose to live by sight. I think for all sorts of obvious reasons. I do. I do. It's comfortable. It's predictable. It's planable. It makes sense. We know the outcome. It's logical. You know, we know here. We're not sure what there might be if we take a step. We don't even know how to get there, maybe. But it doesn't feel like right to get there. We know here this is comfortable. We know this bit. And please hear me right, God in his love and his grace doesn't judge us for wanting to take the steering wheel back off him. But his desire is for you to know him so well, to trust him so much, that if he looked at you on a boat and said, get out of the boat, you would, like he did with Peter. Yeah? Every single day, what does it look like for you to get out of the boat? To trust him. Not just to praise him here, which is beautiful. I love this. But every single day, what does it look like for you to have faith and go with the flow? Last thing. And it's really obvious. And it's just obedience. That's it. You'll notice in verse 22 and chapter 7, verse 5, it just said three words. And Noah did. And Noah did. He did everything as God commanded him. Obedience is the fuel of active faith. It's the fuel of active faith. Not saying it's easy, not saying it's not scary, but it's a fuel of active faith. It's a sign of mature faith as well. Now, if I was Noah and I had this list of stuff to go through, the first question I'd have had would have been, have you got a six-week short course on boat building, God? Because I've not done this before. I'm not an expert. Or perhaps, well, 
it's not raining, so we should be all right. You know, give me another sign, and maybe, maybe I'll do it. Or perhaps a bigger question would have been, you're going to kill everyone. You're going to kill everyone. Would you have wrestled with that? That's a big question, isn't it? You've got to just wipe everyone out. There'd have been a lot of time for Noah to think about all this stuff. Possibly scupper that. Because he had a hundred years, some scholars think, in building this ark. Plenty of time to make mistakes, to think, what am I doing? This is crazy. It's not even raining. <laughs> or, what? I don't even know if I, if I want to believe in a God that, that can do that to everyone. Perhaps he got ridiculed. Perhaps he was mocked. If you're thinking that Noah was mocked for building the ark, you're thinking of Evan Almighty, the film, by the way. <laughs> you're not thinking of scripture because it wasn't. We don't know. Or we don't know her if Noah was mocked or not. But there was plenty of, thank you, there was plenty of time for Noah to think, do you know what, did God really say, did he really call me out? Did he really say, do this, to step out? Did I really say yes to this? Did I really say yes to this? And I want to say, if you decide to take a step and be obedient, and I know there's many of you in the church family right now are like, I'm not sure, but I feel like God's calling me to something. You might find with obedient faith that people ridicule you, judge you. You might get doubt, spiritual attack. People persecute you, question you, think, tell you you're wrong. You might risk your reputation, risk friendships. But that's what it costs. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. In other, in other versions, it says, person without the spirit is referred to as the natural man. Someone who has natural instincts led by the physical, the worldly, sight. I'm not denying that logic is important. St strategic plans are important. We can't just go about doing whatever you want, whenever you like. But it's about weighing up those things and still saying, do you know what? I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to fall forward. I'm going to take a step deeper into the river. Because God's ways are not our ways. And the spirit doesn't make sense to the world. Chris spoke, didn't he, last week? I think really well. But point four was really interesting. When God's people were trapped, they had Pharaoh's army behind and they had the sea in front. And remember they cried out? Do you remember that? In Exodus, they cried out. And God said what? Step forward. Just take a step. Move on. Move on. It's fine. I've got you. Step forward. Can that be us? Can that be you? As a church this year, we're going, to to, we're going to need to learn to step forward into the unknown. We are. But I truly believe, like Amy falling off, that we'll be caught, that God's got it, that he goes with us. It's important to say as I finish that we're all in different places in the river. We're all at different stages, right? I've got two kids, Emily and Obi. And uh, I, don't, I don't compare them. I try not to compare them. <laughs> My heart is not to compare them. And God looks at you as his children, and he doesn't compare you. So often we can feel insecure about this stuff. Yeah, but I'm just not, you know, I'm not the person on the platform. I don't have an education in that. I, don't, I can't do this. I'm not skilled or equipped at that. Neither was Noah. Don't compare yourself because you'll just, you'll stay on the chair if you do that. God's got a unique plan and purpose for you 
for you to step forward wherever you are, and that's at different places in the river, so that his glory will happen, his worship will happen, his kingdom will be built. It might not be as dramatic as building an ark in your front garden, you know, mine was just signing up to college, but yours will be specific to you, wherever you're at right now. Can I encourage you to have that covenant confidence that Jesus loves you, he gave up his life for you so that he could lead you to go with him, go with the flow and take a step, a step at work maybe, I don't know what that is for you, a decision you need to make, a relationship decision, an issue that might be outstanding, something around finances, stopping something that no one else that you do that you know in your spirit is just not good for you and your walk with Jesus, start doing something. Your involvement here, perhaps it's moving from here to there. Perhaps it's unforgiveness here, and you need to move to forgiveness because God is calling you to trust him, that he can carry that. He's got a unique plan and purpose for you that requires you to take a step. I'm just going to invite the band up. What is your step? Some of you are thinking already, I know what my step is today. Some of you just need a bit of space right now just to think about it. Where is, I need to be obedient to Jesus. Perhaps some of you are here and you don't know Jesus. And that Romans passage where you just found out that Jesus died for you to make you right in the eyes of your heavenly father is the first time you've heard it. Jesus died for you because he loves you, because he wants to restore you back into relationship. He wants to set you free. John 10.10, to bring you life in all its fullness, in all abundance. And you have to say yes to him to accept that free gift. He wants to be the Lord of your life. If you're thinking that's the step that I want to take, come chat to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you. But for the rest of us, it could be that you know that you're being called to something else. I'm going to ask the band just to, um, can you just play quietly for a moment? Can I just pray? Thank you. Let's pray. Let's just commit this time. Father God, Father God, I thank you that we are just part of a long line of your children. We could look at Hebrews 11 and be, I don't know, oh, we're not like them. We're not like Enoch. We're not like, we're not like Abraham, Sarah. That's not me. But actually, you look at us and you want to write our names in that. And they are there cheering us on as well. Lord, I pray for us right now as a church, but also I pray for us as individuals, Lord, as we face our own step forward. Lord, let this be the year that perhaps we just go deeper into you, just knowledge of you, experience of you, the Spirit leading us, Lord, in the mundane day-to-day stuff. We choose every single day, Lord, to get on the chair and to fall forward, to take a step forward into your leading river, the river of life wherever you take us. Jesus, thank you that we don't do this on our own. You're with us to the very end of the age. Thank you that we can have confidence that you love us. You go before us. Holy Spirit, just now as you move amongst your people, just bring loving challenge bring confirmation bring your movement
let us be like Noah, prepared to say yes and to take a step 